You're listening to The Right Process, a podcast in which one writer tells the story of completing one work from concept to completion. I'm your host, Charlie Jensen. The Right Process is brought to you by the Writer's Program at UCLA Extension, helping you reach your writing goals one page at a time. Enroll now at uclaextension.edu. Hi, I'm Shauna Barbosa, and I wrote a book of poems called Cape Verdean Blues. Shauna Barbosa is the author of the poetry collection Cape Verdean Blues. Her poems have appeared in The New Yorker, Iowa Review, Virginia Quarterly Review, PBS NewsHour, Lit Hub, Lenny Letter, and others. She was nominated for PEN America's 2019 Open Book Award and was a 2018 Disquiet International Lusso American Fellow. Shauna received her MFA from Bennington College in Vermont and currently resides in Los Angeles, California, where she teaches creative writing in the Writers Program at UCLA Extension. The speaker in Cape Verdean Blues is an oracle walking down the street. Shauna Barbosa interrogates encounters and the weight of their space. Grounded in bodily experience and the phenomenology of femininity, this collection provides a sense of Cape Verdean identity. It uniquely captures the essence of Saudades as it refers to the Cape Verdean American experience and also the nostalgia and self-reflection one navigates through relationships lived, lost, and imagined. Its layers of unusual imagery and sound hold the reader in their grip. When I went to the extension school to take these poetry courses, I'm like, all right, let me give this a chance. So from there, I met one of my really closest friends now, Adriana Cloud. And through her, I learned of like some conference. I met Michael Dumanis, who teaches at Bennington College. He's just like listing all these programs. I'm like, what are you talking about? I never considered a program. I'm just coming here. I I didn't know why or what, you know, really I was doing. And he was like, well, you work at Harvard, so you can actually take poetry courses at, you know, Harvard School of Arts and Sciences proper. And I was like, no, I can't. He was like, yeah, you can. I was like working at Harvard for like four or five years thinking I know everything. He was like, yeah, you can. He's like, actually, this is, you know, writer there named Josh Bell. He teaches, you know, poetry course there. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll try this. So I ended up emailing Josh Bell. No, dear Joshua, I'm pretty sure I wrote Joshua. I was wondering if I can audit your class. I didn't even know. Like, first of all, Dumana said nothing about auditing. I just like I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, I was wondering if I can audit your like intermediate class and here are some samples or I just gave this long thing. Josh, who is my mentor now, my friend, and I love him so much. He wrote back like, uh, okay, yes, and you should be in the advanced class. And I was like, oh, okay. And that was really the start of really how I got to Bennington. And I just remember printing all the poems and laying them out. And I'm like, what is this? And then my professor that I worked with at Ochester, you know, during my last semester, he was just like, you write, you know, a lot about your family, about Cape Verdean culture. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> And it's funny how we don't see ourselves and how sometimes we don't. We don't really want that mirror. Like, I never, I'm like, I don't write about my family. I can't stand them sometimes. Like, you know, like, so he was like, uh, yes, you do. And like, all of this is really rooted in that. I had no idea that this book was coming together and that everything was relating, you know, from my very first semester at Bennington, where those poems were awful. God bless Mark Wonderlich because... He had to read them, okay? 
And thank you. But that was tough. You know, until you get to that last semester, it's like you need to put together a thesis, like something cohesive. But I remember the professor I worked with at Harvard Extension School, he said, first of all, I feel like he used to just play me. <laughs> okay. First of all, he called my poems weird in class. He was like, yeah, these are weird. And then he said, Shauna's work is like Jackson Pollock's. You have to read like number 31 to understand 96. I'm like, I don't know if that's an insult or a compliment. But I hope people who read this book, you've got to read the whole thing. So I agree with it. You know, it's it's very interlinked. And I didn't see that initially. No, I was just kind of like putting it together. But printing those poems and laying it out is, it's like, oh. And then you see a story and then you're seeing uh, these common themes and words. And even just seeing like a bunch of prose poems and lineated poems and, you know, how that adds balance and structure to the story and to the book. But I really went in just winging it. (laughs) I really just wing everything. But... I put my heart into winging things. (laughs) I stay really true to that. Like, I don't, if I, I think there's a difference between winging and half-assing. And half-assing is what I don't do. But I'm going to wing it, and it's going to be real, and it's going to be me. Language is the most common theme in the book. And... It's very layered, not just the English language, but Cape Verdean language, how language was sometimes translated into silence, how that's the first language that some of us learn is silence. So that is a major theme in the book. Identity is also a major theme. When people ask, like, say every time I'm in a lift and somehow it comes up that I wrote a book, you know, people are like, what do you do? And I'm like... So I say, like, author, poet, like, I stay at home and just try to write a bunch of poems now, work on my second book. I don't know what to say right now. Depends on how I feel, right? Like, did I write a poem that week? Can I, am I going to say a poet? Whatever. But of course, it's always like, so what do you write about? What are your, you know, and I'm like, oh, God, I should just say relationships and love. But I'm like, honestly, that is not, when I had to look at this as a book, I didn't really look at I didn't feel that. Like, I didn't feel relationships and love, which is probably really revealing about, like, who I am. (laughs) But just not in that sense, like, oh, I write about, like, relationships and heartbreak. And I think I just question everything. I, I question in moments and how to make sense of things. And there are no answers in in that book in this book and my baby. Like, there are no answers, but there's just the constant questioning. So the body comes up all the time. That's that's a major theme. What we do with it, what we don't, where it is, you know, what's home, what feels like home in it. So those are those are some some themes in there. There's a series of poems in the book called This Won't Make Sense in English. So the series uses words from the first uh, Creole English Cape Verdean Dictionary by Manuel Gonzalves, who is basically family. There's a thing where people say all Cape Verdeans are related, which is basically true. But my brother said, well, you know, what do you want for your graduation gift? I was like, oh, I want the, like, I want the dictionary. And I love him because Malik is just very 
straight, like, what do you want for Christmas? I'm going to get it, except for this Christmas. He didn't ask me what I wanted, right? So I go home from L.A., surprise my family on Christmas Eve. Then I wake up Christmas morning, and I open up a present from Malik, and it's AirPods. And I open, I said, these are not for me. He knows how much I do not like AirPods. I, but you know what? I love Malik because the way he got me that dictionary, he returned those AirPods and gave me the money, <laughs> which is amazing, you know, for me right now. Anyways, Malik gets me the dictionary, right? I remember taking like a boomerang with it. I'm like holding the dictionary. And this was January 2017. I graduated from Bennington, and it was lovely. I was the class speaker, and I was not working a full-time job because I left Harvard after, like, six years. I saved up all this money, and I was like, bye, going to go travel, finish grad school. So I just remember being at home, and I get an email from Ed O'Chester, who was my professor during my graduating term. Edo Chester is the poetry editor of University of Pittsburgh Press Pit Poetry Series. He just said, you know, like, I can't stop thinking about your manuscript, and I want to offer you the book deal. And I'm, I, like, ran upstairs to my dad's room. And it's funny because, you know, like, with parents, sometimes they don't understand the work that you do. That's anyone. Like, they're just like, all right, cool where's the money? (laughs) You know, like, you getting paid? Like, where's your check? That's, like, really. (laughs) So I'm like, Dad, Dad, like, I'm, like, going crazy. He's like, what? Like, what are you? Okay, cool. But he didn't, he didn't get it. And I'm like, all right, who am I going to call now? Like, who am I going to tell? But it was, it was really surreal. I was reading this email, and I'm like, is this just luck? Like, what is happening? I don't, I don't, Yeah, it was incredible. He gave me that chance, and I'm, like, forever grateful for that. Fast forward, you know, the book is, you know, going to go in production. Everything is is done. Around this time, I get a fellowship to the Writer's Room of Boston, and it was amazing. You basically just get to go to this office space and go work every day, 24 hours a day, whenever you want. And one day I was I was there and I was working and I had the dictionary with me and it's like, all right, I'm just going to try to write some poems. And I started going through the dictionary and, and what I love about this dictionary, like why it means so much to me is because with the Cape Verdean language, with Criolu, I understand it more than I speak it. And I only speak it maybe sometimes out of respect or desperation. But it's something that I keep very close to me because it's one of the few things I feel like in this world that I can call my own. It's my version of understanding. But it's something that I I keep the language maybe too close to me. So I started going through the book and I was just reading words. And one of the words is lansumara, which is a noun and it means headscarf, which Cape Verdean women, it's very traditional for them to wear a headscarf. Around their head, you always see a vovo, which means grandmother, always with the headscarf. You know, it's just a part of the culture. And I was just drawn to the word, and I was thinking about my grandmother. I just wanted to riff off of this English definition. And then I just wrote this poem, and then there was another word. I don't remember all of them, but there were five. 
So there were these five words. And I think I wrote them all that night. And then I emailed Josh. We had already had an email thread about edits for the book. Like, hey, can you like look at these again? And I'm so excited about them, you know, like I'm sitting there in the dark and the office was cold as hell, but I had these poems and I had the dictionary and I send them to him and he's like, yeah, like these are great, but it was like the but, you know, if you like send something to your editor or someone and then you get like a but or you don't get like, oh my God, this is great. I love it so much. It's yeah, it's really hard to deal with he's like you know I like them very much but here are my reasons for not putting them in the book and I said what I was like okay so you know just like dying inside while I was reading so he's like listen you're gonna have this book published soon which means you might be depressed very soon (laughs) and looking at writing another book is sometimes terrifying so it might be good to have a suit of poems already headed towards the next book I was like all right cool that makes sense he just repeats you're going to write another book no need to try to get everything all in one like valid valid you know I don't like when people are bringing up valid points when I really want something and he already knew everything I was going to say so he's like you know I know you're gonna say these poems are about Cape Verde and all of this and but he he just knew everything and he was just so on point and I was like wow that's crazy and then he makes a reference to Matthew and King James neither do men put new wine into old bottles else the bottles break and the wine runneth out and the bottles perish but they put new wine into new bottles and both are preserved I said wow there's no way I'm going to put these poems in the book. Then I put the poems in the book. I don't think we ever talked about it. But that resulted in me getting a tattoo on my left shoulder that says Novi Desiseti, which is in Portuguese, 917, because it's Matthew 917. So that's how that happened. So, you know, I paid respect. This, you know, this tattoo is for Josh. You know, I respect everything <laughs> he said. And everything was valid because who got depressed after the book came out when I, like, I think it took me like a year to write a new poem. And it's lovely that that poem is going to be published next month. But what was also really beautiful is I went to a, a workshop in, in Portugal, the Disquiet uh, workshop. I was a Luso-American fellow and I had, I had written some new poems, and there were a few definition poems. And the workshop went well, people took to them, but I remember the main, you know, response, critique to the poems were, you know, maybe I should explore the Cape Verdean language into the poems and not just having them at the top as, as these, these placeholders. And, but it was like allow the language to, you know, to seep into the poems and in the story. And that was the most incredible thing for me to hear because the poems that I have written since the workshop and also since going to Cape Verde recently in October for a book festival, their words in the poems, like they're there's names of food, and I, I, it gave me this freedom that I didn't know that I had. Yeah, I had to let go. And I, I think it's also a part of personally letting go of the language that I keep so close to me and that I don't want anyone to hear. So it pushed me 
to allow people to hear that voice on the page. And hopefully, in my personal life, from my mouth. But I'm cool with it coming on the page first. So I'm glad that I did put these in the book because it did push me to go further in my language and in the interrogating and just all the different things that translation and like gives to us. It just allowed that freedom. It's just it's definitely one of those things where you really just have to do the work. And that was just all I did. So for so long, I never paid attention to like kind of the business side of things, paid attention to not paid attention. I didn't know, you know, to look to like the publishing side of things, just all the other stuff that come that really drives you nuts when it comes down to like your book getting published or everything that drives you nuts. So when I got it, I'm like, oh, I just it just felt so pure. <laughs> it just felt so innocent. And then, you know, like all the stress comes and then it's like, OK, I have to get more poems published. And, you know, like leading up to uh, the book coming out, I need to get these poems out and I need to do like a publicity campaign and all of this. So it was before I knew any of that was going to come. So it just felt it was it was really, really nice to be in that naive state and then all the bullshit comes and you're like oh okay I think of my book as like when someone gives birth to a child and I know people always say like my book baby or but I think of it as you have this baby and you put it out into the world I mean you have no choice at some point it's gonna come out right I I didn't really plan for Cape Verdean Blues, I knew the way most writers know all their lives, that there's a book in you. There's a book in us, and it's going to come out. I didn't know when, and I didn't know how. But here, I had this book. And I was like, wow, what if this book, like a child, grows up to be an asshole? And no one wants to play with it in the sandbox. And no one, everyone, like, you know, walks into the room, and they're like, okay. What if it gets picked on? What if it's like, all right, your Jordans are, you know, the old Jordans from last year. That's when I come in, like, uh, those are vintage, okay? But, so then you just have this this fear, right, that no one's going to fuck with your kid. And then I just started thinking that. I'm like, oh, my God, these poems are so fucking weird. So, yeah, you go through feeling like, okay, I'm the shit. I got a book deal. I'm talented. I did this thing to... If I read one comment where someone says something like, you know, suspect, then you're like, wow, maybe I'm not that great. It is an up and down kind of thing, but I'm here and it feels good that people do read the book. And I think we all want to be acknowledged by the establishment, the literary establishment. You know, you want the best of the best you want the awards you want to be published in the best places but what I've learned if you know I'm having days of not feeling validated or heard or like I'm not doing enough or maybe this isn't good enough I've learned as a writer to trust myself and you know when I'm off the deep end to bring myself back and 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 find my way and even now, I send Josh poems, and when he doesn't, you know, give me, you know, like a bunch of feedback or edits, 
He's like, oh, yeah, these are great. Good to send. And I'm like, are you taking your time? <laughs> I love Josh again. Josh always takes his time. But it's, it is lovely to have those moments where you can say, okay, it's okay. I can trust myself. This poem is good. Or how I think this story should go and these poems should be organized. That That's good. And it works. And for me, it'll never be about ego. Because I can be laying in bed and be depressed as hell. And then you get an email from someone who's like, I love, love, love your work. A lot of, you know, Cape Verdeans, Cape Verdean Americans, you know, always send me amazing messages just about being, you know, it, it's just it's just incredible. And non-Cape Verdeans, like anyone who who shares how the book made them feel, if it made them want to write or anything, that will never get old. And I think that's that's enough. So I try to make it a point to also show love to other writers, to retweet their work, to post, you know, just to share that. And to let them know that they are heard and that their poem made me cry or I love this so much. And that's just it, it's really important because there's so many of us who go through days where it's like, why am I doing this? You start to feel like, is there space for me? So I think sharing that and with any artist, it's super helpful. And now Shauna Barbosa reads from Cape Verdean Blues. And pasada means, you know, to step, to dance the pasada dance. And it also means short visit. When I learned it growing up and eventually started dancing, you like dance really close, you know, with someone. And it's really intimate, at least for like an emotional person like me. So I'll be dancing with all these little boys and I'm like, wow, I got to get married or are we going to leave together? Does this mean something? Like, <laughs> are you my cousin? Should I not be dancing this close to you? Like, what is happening? It's a very intense dance, but it's beautiful and it, and it feels good. And finding someone that you can dance with, it's nice. Pasada. Your freckles wholesome, your steps leading me. I am sucking my stomach in as much as I can. This dance leading me into nights full of you, full in you, full off you. Fueled up, can you pull my dress down for me? Can you feel this dance leading us? To the end of the night, I already need a ride home. Already nostalgic about the crooked space between your teeth. Countless points of contact, we're holding each other like this short visit is the definition of consumption. Gujadu, which means sprouted or bud in the sentence that goes along with this definition is she was still a virgin with her breast sprouting this won't make sense in english gujadu living single tongue not sweet enough yet still mourning queen latifah with the key around her neck so during the show living single queen latifah she wears like a chain around her neck and has a key on it and the story is that the key belonged to her brother. It was the key to his motorcycle, and he died in a motorcycle accident. And maybe I also read that like, she purchased the motorcycle for him. So in the poem, it's like this morning. And the way things just sometimes uh, come together for me, and this whole idea of connecting content and 
finding myself and my themes when I had to put put this book together. I wear this chain around my neck. It's a gold Figaro chain, and it belonged to my uncle who passed away of cancer. And the chain has a Chicago Bulls pendant and his ring. And maybe only right now did I put that together, how there's this mourning and this respect and this idea, what would be around my neck if he was still here? I had to think about what I expected the reader to already know. You know, when we're reading Shakespeare or any text that we had to read growing up or, you know, by the time we get to college, you're expected to know these things, right? We're supposed to know Zeus was a hoe, right? <laughs> so taking over for the 9-9 in the 2000 is the first line of Juvenile's Back That Ass Up. That is a very important song, you know? I know Zeus is a hoe, and we know we gotta back that ass up. So there's that. Taking over for the 9-9 and the 2000. Embraced only by fire hydrants, our preteen lives how we knew them. The girls got boys, the boys got money. Peace to the faces of boys who have now been shot dead. Others deported to the warmer climates of Praia, of Fogu. Peace to the gorgeous good-haired girls, now birthing boys, texting boys, and phones, and deviced or devised, we're all online thinking, who the fuck can throw a better-looking baby shower than me? Uploading took over for the 2000s. Children of immigrants taking the best parts of being unparented and making them worse. K-Birding Blues has a set of two series of poems. In addition to This Won't Make Sense in English, we have astrology poems. Not astrology, we want to drop the A. So it's astrology. Taurus. Be a bird this month. Be built in speakers. When you find your honey eclipsed behind licorice lips, wisdom body yourself into a feverish chant. Remember when you used to be so mad at Biggie for killing Tupac. Turn that storyless scar into a symphony. He's so new, you love when he calls you names. When you don't know how he could live outside of you. When rich black ain't less black. Be the exotic accent over the E, fuck like one of those neon signs that flinch. Shoulders make ceilings tangible. Be alluring when you break. Taurus, you are a furnished room. You mourn persons unknown. You belt out dear mamas wrapped in wrap. You are more than body goals. Your wisdom body is mounted at the tips of praying hands. Your wisdom body will trump the trauma. Be a bird this month. Be turned on by your own energy. The only cure for this hangover is you. I wrote this poem, Welcome Back, after the poet Etheridge Knight. I was introduced to Etheridge Knight by an Uber driver on my way to therapy one day. So somehow tell this guy I write poetry. And he's like, oh, do you know the poet Etheridge Knight? And I'm like, yeah. I did not know who Etheridge Knight was, right? So I was like, yeah, I do. I have my phone in my hand, and I'm just, like, Googling. All right, so I see his book, The Essential Poems of Etheridge Knight. I read it, like, in a day, and he has a poem called Welcome Back. 
And it's the first poem that I've ever read aloud in the mirror to myself, you know, the way, you know, I grew up singing and rapping in the mirror. That's what I did with Welcome Back. And then I wrote this poem in one of my journals that I like revisited and I'm like, wow, this is suspect. Welcome back. After Etheridge Night. Welcome back, Miss B, love of my life. How's your identity problem? Your culture problem? You are pickling your lesson. Gotta watch out for the old lesson, love of my life. How's your acid problem? Your weed, Adderall, Lexapro, and lithium too? Your lustful problem? How's your weight problem? Your eating problem? How's your lying and cheating and staying out all night long problem? Welcome back, Miss B, love of my life. How's your money? Saved up, don't know what to do with it problem. You quit your job problem? How's your small breast problem? Your might buy some breast problem? How's your plan B? Welcome back, Miss B, love of my life. How's your used to write that boy in jail until he got shot and killed problem? How's your stalker problem? Your fucking too many in the crew. You don't feel magic. Ain't never loved no one problem. How's your book problem? Ain't been published. Haven't read your lover's book problem. How's your might go to Dominican Republic to fix your waist? What you sit on, put your breast in her in his mouth problem. The porn problem? Never let go, don't love, don't leave, please need me problem. You're one to fuck everywhere but a bed in the dark problem. And you're crushing pills, crushing dignity out of pity problem. How's your drinking? Your thinking. You still paranoid? Still bipolar? Still scared shitless? You still want to die? The Right Process is hosted and curated by me, Charlie Jensen, and recorded at the UCLA Extension Studios. This season was produced by Jamie Moss. Audio support was provided by Andre Nikolaev. The Writer's Program offers courses, certificates, and services that help writers achieve their writing goals one page at a time. For more information, visit writers.uclaextension.edu.